We magnify you. We glorify you for giving your life. What a great surrender. As you gave yourself over to the will of the Father. Bore in your body our sin, our sickness, our pain, our sorrow. Paying the price for sin and the separation that it brought. Being buried, God, thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. That we might know that the power of sin has been conquered. Not by us, but by you. And we no longer have to live under the threat and the dominion of what sin would do to bring death and separation. But now because of the cross, the death, the burial, and resurrection, we have confidence towards you. We have relationship with you. Our strength comes from you. Our hope is in you. It's in you that we live, that we move, and that we have our very being. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to take up residence in our hearts, to empower us, to transform us, that we might truly experience the relationship, the intimacy. In becoming sons and daughters of God. The likeness of you. We thank you. Holy Spirit, give us utterance to speak as we ought to speak. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. That you truly might bring revelation. Wisdom understanding. And in that we would see and have a greater knowledge and revelation of who we are. That our struggle to attain to favor would be destroyed. That we would know that we have favor with God. And the struggle to be there would cease and we would live from a place of favor and grace rather than striving throughout our day. In that revelation, we would see the abundant power that you have placed upon us and the authority that we have over the enemy. So we thank you even today that you fill us with the knowledge of your will concerning the day and the time that we live in, concerning our part in our generation, concerning our particular role as members of your body. Help us to see where you've dispatched us during the day and how the resources and the understanding and the giftings and the callings would be released as we think about and understand that you have brought us into a place with people that we might be lights in the midst of darkness. Equip us today. Equip us today, Holy Spirit. Enlighten each and every heart. Meet every person right where they are at. Because you know. You know the struggle. You know the fear. You know the apprehension. You know in places where we've been arrogant and thought of ourselves more highly than we ought to. You know. So minister to us, we pray. 
that there might be change and transformation as we walk with you every single day. We thank you. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished by your word and your spirit in every heart and in every life. And we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. In the mighty and matchless, majestic name of Jesus. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. It's a great day. Isn't it a great day? It's a great day to be serving God. It's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be a member of the body of Christ. Amen. There's so many things going on in you that God wants to do through you to affect people around you. You are significant in this day. You are significant in this day. Don't let the devil tell you you're insignificant. You're just trying to get by whatever it is. You're significant in this day. God's looking down and he's looking at the church that Jesus lived and died for. His body in the earth. It's the most significant thing in the earth today. That is his body, the church, and how we receive that, how we understand our part in our culture, our part in our relationships with other people, that God's not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of a well-disciplined mind that we truly might think out and understand places that we are, places that we go, how we understand our place in that time and how significant it is that we don't discount anything that goes by, but we put value on every day. We put value on the relationship that we have with God. We put value on the divine appointments that he makes. We put value on the people that we work around, that we live with. We begin to see it in a, in a way that God sees it. And then we begin to realize, man, we are in the kingdom for such a time as this. Instead of looking at the world around us and seeing the darkness, we see us bringing light into the midst of it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're the light of the world. Say it again, you're the light of the world. And you can be seated. Praise the Lord. So good to be with you. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us on live stream. Welcome our Meeker campus. Why don't you just give a look at the camera, give Meeker campus a, a great applause. As they join with us today, we're so grateful. Just want to remind you all those things that, that are going on. And uh, as we talk about how we think, what we're thinking, you know, sometimes you can look up there and go, my goodness gracious, uh, uh, August, wow, we're, we're busy. But you know, busy is kind of a mindset. Right? We have 24 hours, seven days a week, and every single person has the exact same amount of time. Amen. We're living in a place that's vitally important that we are energized, that we are charged up with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God. And so it's just sometimes how we think about where we're going in life, how, the value that we put on those things. And so we really believe in all, with all of our heart that these particular meetings are significant and uh, they're valuable to each and every one of us and the people that you will bring. So even right now, be thinking, who can I bring uh, to the meetings? Who can I bring to really hear and experience what God is having, uh, doing in our midst and uh, really come with a great expectancy of what God will do in your life, but also what God will do in the life of the person that you bring? Thank you for your enthusiasm. 
So I just want to encourage you uh, to come Wednesday night and the week following to Todd White, Saturday night and Sunday, week following Sunday and Monday uh, with Brother Mark Hankins. Amen. Open your Bibles to Isaiah, the 26th chapter, and uh, this is our foundational text uh, for this series that we're talking about uh, that we entitled, I Was Thinking. And uh, this process of thinking, uh, again, is so vitally important. I know that we've talked about our thought life before, but we continually have to, uh, I believe, come back to our thought life. Why? Because so many things in our culture are, are changing. So, so much information is out there. So much coming our way. You can get into places. And so, uh, you know, and to be where we want to be and to move where we want to work, even with all of this, you know, if you look at Ephesians and you know, some things don't change, how they go about, where the world is today, how culture has moved in different areas with technology, but really the enemy is the same uh, in his strategies to kill, steal, and destroy. God is the same. And so in Ephesians, Paul said, I put the gifts in the body that it might stabilize and equip the body to do work of ministry till we all come into the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, that we wouldn't be immature, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. In other words, there's so many things out there vying for your attention, vying to uh, get you that 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 it could start to toss you to and fro. And so as we come to this uh, series about uh, what we're thinking, our thought life, how that affects us, it's very, uh, very, very important in just the way that God created us. You know, years ago, somebody said that, that uh, the mind is the arena of faith. The mind is the arena of faith. So often we think, well, I'm, a, I'm secure. I have faith in my heart. But again, we have to understand where the heart is. Uh, the heart is comprised of two parts, the spirit of man and also the soul of man. They're joined together. And so many times where it talks about your heart, it's talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. If you don't doubt in your heart. Well, many people say, I don't doubt in my spirit. But at the same time, as soon as in their spirit, they grab a hold, then they start to go, well, what if the mountain doesn't move? I'm going to say to this mountain, be that removed. Oh, but what if it doesn't? That's doubting in your heart, your thinking. And so how our thinking goes, the enemy will always try to get into our thought life because it's your inner faith. Many of you know this, Joyce Myers called it the battlefield. The battlefield of the mind. It's where we engage the thought processes with the enemy. And so Paul called it a place of battle. He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And so as we go through life, you can count on this, that there are thoughts that are going to come. You may not even know where they come from, but they will be contrary to the obedience of Christ. They will be contrary to what God has said about you, what Jesus has done for you. And so really, you know, when we talk about it, when we, when we stand up, you know, at the beginning of the year or wherever and say, you know, it's very critical to have a, a, a time of Bible reading. It's very critical as God stirs you. You don't have to be called into the ministry to go to Bible school, but Bible school will take certain subjects and, and get you more immersed in those subjects. Our Bible school is not super extensive because of the busyness of, of people and their time. So we offer that so you can get a greater knowledge of the word. Well, what does that do for you? A greater knowledge of the word when the enemy comes. How many of you know he's subtle? 
If you don't know the truth, he'll manipulate a lie to where you'll believe a lie over the truth simply because you don't know the truth. And so Jesus said that if we would know the truth, the truth would set us free. Set us free from what? Set us free from what lies had done to us, right? Believing a lie brings bondage. It starts to work death and destruction in some form in our life. But the truth sets you free from that, that you might live in life and peace. But, but the truth about it is, is so many believers today don't know a lot of the truth. So as the enemy comes in and begins to lie to them, begins to put thoughts that are contrary to what Jesus has done for them, they don't even know that it's contrary to what Jesus has done. They don't even know that it's in disobedience to the word, so therefore they couldn't cast it down. And so we begin to hear the thoughts and the imaginings and the worry and the stress and the struggle that comes into a believer's life that God never intended to be there. And then all of a sudden you start to formulate, well, maybe God wants me here. God wants me to go through this. Well, God might want you to go through things, but he doesn't want you to go through it in death, destruction, trouble, worry, stress. He wants to take you through things by faith in his word, by faith in the truth. And so it's not that we come to a place that there are no troubles, but what we believe about what we are experiencing is really, it begins to settle in and called a mindset. As we've been talking about this, the mindset is a, a, a series of beliefs, really, that cause you or, or come to shape your view of the world and of yourself. And so, you know, you can talk to anybody and start to really know where their mindsets are because you'll start to talk about their worldview, uh, how they, what their mindset is about their employment and their employers. And so, you know, hopefully as Christians, we're never talking about our employer in such a negative way and, and, and how he must have more than we do. And he takes advantage of that. But we're looking and understanding that there's a place there of honor and respect and how we look at, you know, the economy of the day and what that affects that. All of a sudden, you can hear and start to see how people view themselves, right? I am under somebody. I'm not equal to my boss. He's the boss. And all of a sudden, they lose track of who they are because of how they view their boss, how they're paid, whether they're rightly treated or not. And that simple mindset about a work environment we think it's justified. We listen to the world talk about how terrible it is, but what we don't realize is in that mindset, we begin to see ourselves as less and less and less. We think we're building ourselves up by tearing down the boss and how he should be different, but really what we're doing is we're saying, if this is the way it is, I see myself as unable. And that's just a mindset that we've allowed to creep in simply about our employment. We have mindsets about our marriage and, and how things go in our marriage and how we should be treated and, and how things should take place. But most of the time, it's really about us and how we feel about how people, our spouse is treating us and how they should act rather than really looking at the mindset that God says that we should have. Many men go into a mindset of my wife is going to be submitted to me. I'm going to be the ruler of my castle and she's going to obey. And that's the way it should be. She should obey me. Well, why should she obey you? Dane was just talking about the why. Most men don't even go, know, go into it knowing why. 
they think she should obey. They're just very anxious about being the boss of something. <laughs> and it becomes very discouraging when you think that she's going to obey, and the moment you become the boss of something, she doesn't. But really, it didn't tell you that your mindset should be on that. The Bible told us men that our mindset should be on how do we love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself for his church? How do we wash her with the water of our words? How would we present her to ourselves? Holy and without blemish. How would we care for her as we would care for ourselves? That, that should be what a guy is thinking about. And so all of a sudden, marriage gets off because we're just thinking she should obey us. And ladies think, man, if he just loved me like Jesus loved the church, if he could just speak nicely to me. But really, your mindset should be, how do I respect and venerate and honor the position that God has given him? Well, that got quiet. See, we're messing with mindsets. And right now you can fight that mindset, but I'm going, I'm, I'm telling you what the word of God says. And your mind already could go off and go, oh, wait a minute, no. Because culture has tried to creep in. Yet the Bible tells us in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you all with me? So Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, chapter 26 and verse 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Somebody say stayed on you because he trusts in you. In other words, if your mind is stayed on him, then you're trusting in him. You can't really have your mind focused on God and who he is and what he should mean to you and the, the, the largeness of God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is. The one who knows the beginning from the end, the one who created your life, has a plan, has his finger upon your life. If you think about that, how could you not trust in him. And he says, when you think about him, it develops trust and faith in him. Then he becomes your strength for every situation. Amen. He becomes your strength for every situation. The Amplified Classic says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind is both it's in both its inclination and its character is stayed on you because he, he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. So trust in the Lord, commit yourself to him, lean on him, hope confidently in him forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He's an everlasting rock. Amen. So when we talk about this, we want to understand that God is really looking to ever bring us up higher. He's ever looking to bring us up higher. And so Isaiah chapter 55 tells us that God, God's thoughts, he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. And so he really denotes to us that we could begin to understand that if we started to align our thoughts with God's thoughts, 
it would cause our ways to become like his ways. Our ways to become like his ways, which are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we know this, that our thoughts, our mind, uh, how we think, leads to our decisions. Right? How you think leads to your decisions. Your decisions lead to your direction in life. And your direction leads to your destiny. Well, your destiny is caught up in him. So he says, listen, if your thoughts would align with my thoughts, then your ways would align with my ways, which are much higher. So we see Paul writing to the church at Rome right off of the beginning, talking to them how a people who could know God refused to retain God in their thinking. In their thinking. Right? So we can say, I know God, I've gone to church, but he says, retain God in their thinking. And when they refused to retain God in their thinking, God was forced then to give them over to a debased mindset, or in other words, a lower way of thinking. And he said, because of this lower way of thinking, I'm paraphrasing right now for the sake of time, but you can go back to it. We have a lot of scripture to read today. You can go read it. It says it gave him over to a lower way of thinking, which began to stir or spring forth in sexual immorality, in, in, in uh, anger, in bitterness, in all of the things that the flesh comes because thinking according to the old nature in the flesh is a lower way of thinking than thinking according to the Spirit of God and who you are. If God could just get us to not go back to thinking like we used to think before we were saved, we would begin to raise up our thinking, our level of thinking. God would even bring us into a different level of intellect so that we could begin to really see in a greater measure. We could begin to lift up our eyes. As we said uh, uh, last week, all of a sudden, understanding the love of God, instead of being looking at our world like this, it begins to open up. We begin to see a lot of the why we're, we're ending up where we are, looking forward to where we're going, and so we don't just continue to stay in a cycle, but it's time of breakout and breakthrough, but you can't just wish and hope and think about breakout and breakthrough. It really has a lot to do with how you're thinking and what you're deciding upon. Yet we, we just think, oh, well, I'm just thinking that it doesn't matter, but the more we allow something to stay and retain it in our thinking, it becomes a mindset. It becomes a way of thinking about all of these important areas of our life. There's a mindset there. And so, uh, turn over to Romans chapter 12. Some of this will be very familiar to you. Uh, you know, we, we spent uh, last week talking about really the love mindset a couple of weeks, uh, how to really process everything through the love of God, to think about how much God loves you, what he did for you. There's so many people who are living in insecurity right now because they really, they can know in just a knowledge of what somebody's told them, sure, God loves me. Jesus died on the cross for me. I'm glad about that. Hope that gets me to heaven. But it's so much deeper than that. When you think like that, you're just letting things go. The enemy has something deeper set in your mind. God wants us to understand that he loved you so much that Jesus died for your sin, that you could be free from sin, raised from the dead with him, and and if you're raised from the dead to a 
newness of life, what does that mean? So I was thinking, if I'm a new creation in Christ, old things have passed away, and behold, everything is new, and now everything is of God, what does that look like? Why would I live the same way that I used to live? Why would I think about the things the same way as I used to think about them? Why would I fear the same things that I used to fear? Why would I have the same insecurities that I've had all the time? If I'm a new creation in Christ. If I'm a new creation in Christ. So Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. So he's right, he says right here, you're a new creation in Christ. You no longer lend your body over to just whatever your body wants to do. But you present your body to him. My body is yours. You, it's been purchased with the price of the own, my, your own precious blood. This body is now your body. I'm not going to give it over to sexual immorality. I'm not going to give it over to evil. I'm not going to give it over to something just wasting time with it. This is your body. It's only reasonable. You gave up your body. It was beaten. It was broken. It hung on the cross. You gave that up for me. It's only makes sense and reasonable that now that you have given me a newness... Somebody say newness. A newness of life that my body is given to different things than it was under sin. He's trying to help their mindset here. He's trying to help them see. Listen, you, you, he talked about so many things leading up to chapter 12. But he says, listen, I beseech you therefore. In other words, for everything else that I've told you about who you are in Christ now and how that goes, then I beseech you, I really beg you, therefore, then give your body not to the flesh, not to the course of the world, but give your body to God. It's just reasonable in worshiping him to say, here's what I'm going to do with my body. I'm going to lend it over as an instrument of righteousness to God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said the only way you're going to really know the will of God and in that combat this battlefield of the mind is to renew your mind to how God thinks and what God's thoughts are and the thoughts that he has about you. Do you know what God thinks about you? I mean, even when they were in captivity because of the disobedience of them, God had to come in Jeremiah and say, listen, you're in this place not because of what I'm thinking about you, but because of what you were thinking about me. You're in this place because you didn't think you had to obey me. You didn't think you thought you could serve other gods. I already told you, you can't serve other gods and live in a, a productive, blessed life. And so, but the thoughts that I think about you, says the Lord, the thoughts that I think about you, they're of good and not of evil. They're of blessing and not cursing. They're of a future and a hope. God's thinking about you. And do you know what he's thinking about you? And he says, when you look at this and you know what he's thinking about you, what Jesus did for you, he said, your mind begins to be transformed or should be renewed 
to what God now thinks about you as a son and a daughter. As an heir of his and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Message Bible says it like this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. Not your church life on Sunday. That should be part of your ordinary life. But your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. This sounds a little bit like how you would keep your mind stayed on Him. That if I gave my going to sleep, my waking up, my going to work, my going to recreate, my marriage, my job, my finances, I actually gave that all over to Him and embraced His sacrifice, I would have to be thinking about Him in all of these ways. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention. Somebody say, fix your attention. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. He said, listen, when we give that all over to Him and we begin to think about Him and think like Him, it doesn't drag us down, it lifts us up. It lifts us up above the fray. It lifts us up above those things. Praise lifts us up. Praise stills the avenger. As Pastor Tasha was saying, you know, you can come in, you can have situations of life, and it'll start to try to immediately beat on you, you know. coming. We, we just came from two weeks of, uh, of, of different meetings and, and just acknowledging what God was doing around the world, uh, edified and lifted up, and, and walk in, and our floor's all buckled, and Water's all over, and you're like, dear Jesus. And all of a sudden, you're trying to think, what are we going to do? How are we going to do? And it just you have to stop at some point and say, God's good. This is a bummer. It's temporary. But it can either drag us down and steal everything that God's been doing in our lives, or we could just rise above it and make a choice right now. To think about this just a little bit differently. Recognizing a strategy of the enemy. We could wait to church to praise him. Or we could praise him right there. Or we could say, God, you're good. You supply every need. We're all right here. Just begin to think about him in relation to what is going on right now. Right now. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, he says, I, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feelings, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness. 
But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt in deceitful lusts. I was thinking, what if I'm a new creation in Christ? He says, then you can't walk in the futility of your mind like others. But you have to put off the old things and understand that we be renewed in the spirit of our mind and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So right here, he connects living the newness of life, or as he says, putting on the new man with how you think. With how you think. If I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and determined that he's now the master of my life, he rescued me from sin. He broke the power of sin over my life. Then how do I think about it? Do I think I'm still subject to sin and its temptation? Or do I think I'm no longer subject to that? I'm subject to a new law. I'm subject to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So I'm no longer subject to the fear of sin and the death that it brings. But I'm alive unto God. Subject to Him. I've been raised with Christ. Seated with Christ. So I no longer set my attention and my affection on all the things of the earth around me. I set my attention and my affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. Because I died and my life, the future that I have, everything that I have is now hidden for me with Christ in God. So in other words, it's not just open display. I'm going to have to set an attention. I'm going to have to think about what Jesus did for me. Think about who Jesus was. Think about who I am in Christ. Think about that, the reality of my life change. I'm no longer the same old person. So why do I have the same old fears? Why do I have the same old insecurities? And the devil is, is, is incredibly subtle. He'll get you thinking about things. You know, in the last two weeks, I've been around some uh, incredibly, uh, incredibly gifted people. And, uh, you know, I, find, I have found myself for about two weeks uh, uh, fighting comparatinitis. You know what that is. It's, a, it's just a made-up word. But it's where we continually compare ourselves with others. He says it's not wise. It's not wise. And if you let that settle in, it'll really make, it, it'll mess with your head. You, you either will come out thinking you're better than someone, or you'll come out thinking, well, I'm not up to par. But in reality, he says, why are you comparing yourselves by yourselves? It's unwise. What has God done in you? What is Christ doing in you right now? Do you see the value of that? Do you see what God has created you to be? Can you have a boldness in the fact that I'm different, yet I'm his? And if I give it all to him, he will form it. He will recreate it. He will fashion it. He will... Uh, Bring it into the understanding, and we're not conformed to the world, but we're being transformed into his image, which means that I'm not the same as someone else. I'm different, but I'm the same in him. And that's hard for us to gra uh, wrap our mind around, but God is so good in helping us to think that way. Romans, the eighth chapter, and the fifth verse. I just want to stir your thinking. 
stir your thinking. If I'm a new creation in Christ, if I'm a new creation in Christ, if I'm really a new creation in Christ, what are, what are some of these same old ways I think? Why do I think the same way about these certain things knowing I shouldn't be thinking that way? If I'm a new creation in Christ. If the old man is dead and truly a new man has emerged within me, why do I give place in my thinking to these old thoughts, these old ways of thinking? Because I believe if we can see that, we can break out of that. We'll view our life different. We'll view the world around us different. Our mindset will change and we'll begin to process and see the world around us and our part in the world around us, which will motivate us and give us a boldness in who we are in Christ, a confidence in who we are in Christ to reach out to others instead of comparing and saying, well, they probably don't want me to say anything because who am I really to say anything? We say, I know who I am in Christ and I know no matter what their station in life, if they don't know Jesus... They need to know his goodness. And I'm carrying the knowledge of the goodness of God. I'm carrying the experience of resurrection life. I am carrying the newness of life. I'm carrying a life that is forgiven of sin and the bondage and the shame and the guilt that goes with it. I am cleansed. I am washed. I am free. I'm carrying an example of that to somebody. So I'm not comparing myself and allowing myself to be timid and back off from what I should do. But now I know that God's not given me a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm not thinking about how are they going to think about me or is this going to make me something or is this going to start a ministry for me? No, I have a sound mind, a focused mind. God loves them. I love them. I'm not afraid of them, but I'm extended towards them because God's changed my life. In our reach and our ability to love people, to lift people and to reach people, which is our mission, becomes more alive to us than ever before. Simply, not because we never knew the mission, but simply because we're able to see ourselves as empowered by God. No longer feeling like we're inadequate. No longer comparing ourselves to say, well, because I do thus and such, I'm adequate. No, he's appointed me. He's anointed me. He's made an appointment with me and this person for a specific reason. For a specific reason. Praise the Lord. So Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh do set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded, that word carnal means to per- pertaining to the flesh, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So because we use those words carnally, spiritually minded, sometimes it isn't as clear. Listen to what the Message Bible says. It says, in alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself uh, for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. 
And even if we didn't, uh, even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can't understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can't understand, we can't understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Praise the Lord. I copied what was way too early there. I'm going to give me just a second. Verse 5, it says, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's actions in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self uh, is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. What's he saying? He's saying our mind can immediately go off onto us. What about me? What about what I'm doing? What about people are thinking about me? What am I going to miss out on? What about me? And he says, this ends up to a small dead end. But when we begin to think about God, it opens up life. When we think about what Jesus did for us, what he's doing in us, what he wants to do through us, because we're a new creation in Christ. All right, we're going to close. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Paul exhorts us in this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Other translations say take anxiety for nothing. Anybody here had a little anxiety lately? He said, don't, don't be anxious for anything, but in, in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. He's talking about that same peace that Isaiah talked about. He said, how do we get that peace? How do we enter into that peace? We enter into that peace through a place of prayer. How do we get our mind set on him? We get our mind set on him by the open door that we have to commune with him in prayer. Your prayer life right now is more important than it's ever been before. With the stresses, the pressures of life, to spend time with him is, is more important than ever before. To commune with him, to take your requests to him, to get to know him, how much he loves you, to understand his word, to sit there in a devotional time and begin to go over these scriptures and say, who am I in Christ? What did you say about me? What do you think about me? What are your promises towards me? For every promise has its yes and its amen in Christ. And now I'm going to go in and begin to process with you what this says about me. I'm going to go in and begin to commune with you and experience your love and embrace your love and embrace your presence. And in that place of prayer, you're going to find an exhortation. You're going to find vision. You're going to find hope. You're going to find expectation. And then you're going to come out of your prayer closet 
and run into everyday life. But there's a process that God wants us to have here, and that is we obtain peace through communion. We obtain peace through communion with Him. Even in that prayer time, important that every now and then you go and you break out some bread and some juice or whatever you have, and in that prayer time, you have communion with God. Why? Because it's going to bring peace knowing that I'm at peace with God. He died for me. I've received him into my life. So we obtain peace in the prayer closet in communion with him, but we maintain peace through our thought life. We maintain peace. So people are like, man, I had a great prayer time. And then they hit the day, and by 5 o'clock, they've lost their peace. Anybody been there? But why do we lose our peace? Because we lost track of what God was saying in the prayer closet. We lost track of the things that he really instructed us in. So Paul says this. He says, so finally, so finally, he started off in verse 4, rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice always. He said, you're going to get to this place of peace by recognizing what God has done, rejoicing, let your moderation, now go into prayer, let your requests be made known to God, don't get anxious about things. He said, once you obtain that peace, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are true, not factual, Whatsoever things are true. Well, that, I just saw that. That's a fact. But is it true? Is it contrary to the truth in the word of God? Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are noble or honorable. Don't be thinking about all the things that are dishonorable. Don't think about all the things that take away. Things that whatever things are just or righteous. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's anything of moral excellence and virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. Meditate on these things. Meditate. Not in a fleeting thought. Begin to meditate on these things. So what is that? To mutter over, to go over and over and over. So as I was thinking, if I'm a new creation in Christ, what does that mean to living as a new creation? And you begin to go to the scripture and you begin to think about it and you begin to mutter it and you begin to say it again and again and again and again, over and over again. And Psalms chapter one says this, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Somebody say meditates. In his word, you could put it that way, in his word, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Whatever he does will prosper. We see that same thing said to Joshua over and over. So what is it that you're thinking about? Have you spent some time thinking about since I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus? And old things 
have passed away and everything has become new. What does that look like for me today, this week? Have I had a tendency to go back to the same old way of thinking about my job, my marriage, my finances, relationships, and where I compare to others? Have I just thought like the world thinks about that? Have I been so conformed into the culture without even thinking? Or have I been thinking since I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm forgiven? I'm no longer subject to the old way. But I've come and I'm subject to God's way of thinking, His newness of life for me. And in that, I begin to see my world differently and my place in my world as significant. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you, God. Help us, Holy Spirit. We go from this place. So many challenges will present, be presented to each and every one of us in the days ahead. Different challenges for different reasons in different spaces. But I thank you that you know all things. You've considered all things. You have our life and the path for our life in your hands. You see the eternity, even for us in this time. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, help us. Bring to our remembrance the things that we know about our new creation in Christ, who we are in you, you and us. What we don't know, show us. What we haven't seen, teach us. That we truly by your power, might be transformed. That we might experience the newness of life to its full extent. And in that experiencing it, we are bold to bring it, to share it with others. We're bold to stretch forth your hand, to pray for salvation, healing, deliverance, freedom for those who are bound and lost and hurting. Knowing that we carry something so valuable and precious within us. It's part of us. It is our life. To not only experience, but to distribute to those you bring us in contact with. Show us the importance of this day that we live in, that we might be fully awake and fully aware of our role with the people with whom you've placed us in relationship that many, many lives will be changed. Many people will be born again into the kingdom of God through the influence that we've been able to have in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's with a, <clears throat> a heavy, really heavy heart um, that I want to just let you know and bring to you um, one of our uh, very, very, very precious workers uh, that served in our children's ministry for years and years and years. Bev Woods uh, went home to be with the <clears throat> went home to be with the Lord yesterday. 
Sorry, I thought I had this, and then Sean started crying here. <clears throat> and so, um, many of you might not know it. It went out as a prayer request without a name. You've been praying. She's been battling cancer for some time. Brave, strong, fought a tremendous fight. What a servant. Many of you who are parents know how Bev and Dave served your children in nursery in Awana. They have been just such a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, part of the ministry here and ministry to our children. <clears throat> so we want you to know that. We want you to, um, so that you can be praying for Dave and Jackson and the family as they navigate this. Um, it's a peaceful transition. They're texting last night. Their heart, they know that she's in the presence of the Lord. And we rejoice in that. We rejoice in the hope of salvation that we'll see her again. She wins to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. That's our hope. That win, but we still experience the loss of somebody who's very dear and has served and they, they their family. And so we as a church family Gather around, surround, pray, support them in prayer. Again, never discount the power of prayer. You may not see them, but that power of prayer begins to undergird, uplift, carry, really in many instances through this time. And if you have experienced it, I know that we have, and your prayers as a church are always, they, they come in, it's hard to understand or to grasp, but you can sense the prayers lifting and, and carrying through a difficult time like this. And so we want to let you know. I know they haven't, maybe you've missed them. You haven't seen them around. If you didn't know, that's who you were praying for. You were, you were lifting them up. They appreciate, Dave appreciates all of the prayers. And so we just wanted to let you know so that you would know and uh, that you could be praying for them. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. And so we'll pray right now. Father, we do thank you <clears throat> for who you are. And even as we've been talking at this time, our minds would like to go all kinds of directions. But we thank you for the Holy Spirit who helps us focus on knowing your great love for us, trusting in you concerning eternity. Trusting in you concerning every aspect of our life. You are good. You are light. In you there's no darkness at all. We thank you Holy Spirit. And we pray. For Dave. For Jackson. For Bev's whole family. Right now in this time of their loss. That you'd come in such an anointing like an oil. As time progresses, you'll do exactly what you said you'd do. You'll give the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That you'll be with them with peace, with comfort, 
with wisdom, that you guide and direct every step. You encourage them as only you could encourage them. You minister to them as only you can minister to them. By the Spirit, through their spirits. Overwhelm them with your great love. A tangible touch from you. Help us to keep them in our thoughts and our prayers on a daily basis, knowing as we stand together, as we pray together, you're doing something in the unseen realm that's stronger than we could ever do on our own. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you, God. Right now, wherever they are, your overwhelming presence, God. Your comfort, your peace, your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.